This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 108. I got to hang out with my friend, Wendy, and dive into this idea of respectful parenting. She and I were having a conversation, and I was just like, man, I feel like as the respectful parenting community has grown and like hashtag respectful parenting has taken off that there's this idea that it has to be perfect and that if you yell or if you say the wrong word that you're screwing this thing up and I think we have to find a middle ground here I think we have like swung this pendulum from how a lot of us were raised potentially without emotional development support And now we've swung it to the other side of like, we will talk about all the feelings all the time. We'll make sure you always feel like you're in control of your body and we're going to do it all perfectly. And I think it's leading to this uptick in anxiety. Anxiety's never been higher in parenthood and in kids than it is today. And we've got to figure out how to navigate respectful parenting while understanding that it's never going to be perfect. So in this conversation, we're diving into that. Wendy has her own podcast. It's called The Exceptional Parenting Podcast. And at the end of our podcast interview, I am going to list out some of her podcast episodes that might be helpful for you if you want to dive deeper into a couple different topics that we touch on in this episode. She and I are both airing this episode on our respective podcasts. So don't be shocked if you pop on over and you see my name pop up. At the end of her episode, she is listing some of the Voices of Your Village episodes that you can dive in deeper to some of the things we mentioned here as well. All right. This conversation has been on my heart for a while, and it was really just so nice to get to talk about it. I'm really pumped to get to share this with you so that we can navigate this journey of raising emotionally intelligent humans together with the idea of progress, not perfection. Not only is perfection not real, it's not even important. All right, folks, let's dive in. 
Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey friends, welcome to this episode. This is such a fun episode where we're doing something a little bit different. I met Alyssa last week and she and I were just, we connected on so many different levels that we both decided that we wanted to air this episode on each of our podcasts. So this episode is going to be a little different in that it's Alyssa interviewing me and me interviewing Alyssa all in the same time. And I hope you guys get so much out of it. So before we go anywhere, I would love for my my podcast listeners to know who you are, Alyssa. So why don't you take a second and introduce yourself? Totally. Hey, everybody. Yes, my name is Alyssa. I'm jazzed to get to sit down and have this conversation with you today, Wendy. My master's is in early childhood, and my research and work is in emotional development, so how to build emotional intelligence starting in infancy. I co-created the collaborative emotion processing method with a colleague, and we researched it across the U.S. and wrote a book on it that we are shopping to publishers now. And in doing this work, I ended up creating a business, Seed and Sew, and it's this delicious village of folks who are all committed to doing this work and working on building their own toolboxes because so many of us didn't get this jazz in, in our own upbringing and learning how to serve our tiny humans with this information and the support at different ages and stages. And uh, yeah, that's Seed and Sew. And then from Seed and Sew, we have Voices of Your Village podcast as another avenue for support. I love it. I, I love your background mostly because you not only take the research, but you also took it and you said, okay, is this applicable in real life? Because as you were doing the research, you were, um, putting it into practice inside a daycare setting, right? The child yeah, development exactly. center. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that I found, I guess like the reason that we ended up creating this method and doing the research is because we were teaching and everything that we were finding. We were like, yeah, in a perfect world mm-hmm. <laughs> where I've yes. got a spare 20 minutes or <laughs> I'm super regulated or I'm not tired or I haven't had a fight with my partner or I'm not in conflict with my co-teacher or we're not trying to get out the door or whatever. Like in a perfect world, I'd love to respond that way. And that just never seemed to happen, that perfect world. And so we were like, what does this really look like in everyday life that's attainable? How do we actually do this? And before we go deeper into this, I, I also want you to introduce yourself to our Voices of Your Village listeners. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm Wendy Burtnall. And by way of background, my master's degree is in special education, um, specifically moderate to severe disabilities. My bachelor's degree is in child development. So I found myself um, teaching special education and becoming a mom at the same time. And I just thought I knew everything. I thought, oh, I can handle anything. I have all these kids with really severe emotional things going on, really severe um, developmental delays. I can handle anything. And with my first kid, I did because I think it was, I was, um, I was a different parent. I only had one child and he was fairly typically developing and pretty easy, pretty easy going. He still is pretty easy going. Then with my second kid, um, 
everything hit the fan. (laughs) (laughs) And I realized that first of all, parenting and teaching are completely different things. And also parenting and research are completely different things. So I felt like everything I learned in my master's degree and my, and my bachelor's degree just went out the freaking window with my second kid and nothing was working. We were constantly power struggles, meltdowns, freak out sessions from he and I. <laughs> it yeah, was totally him. And it wasn't until he was three and a half when I realized, oh my gosh, he has sensory differences. To this day, he still doesn't have a diagnosis. He's not severe enough for that but it's enough to interfere with his daily life. And I realized there are so many of us in this crazy in-between stage where we may or may not have a diagnosis, but sensory interferes with daily life. And sensory, when you see it in a therapy room or in a classroom, is so different than seeing it on a daily basis. Just like you were talking about, Alyssa, it would be nice to sit down and do a sensory diet three times a day for 10 minutes every day in a perfect world when you have nothing else going on and your child is completely compliant, right? (laughs) But that's not real life. So that's what I talk a lot about and teach um, in Exceptional Parenting Foundations is the course that I have. And then Exceptional Parenting Podcast is where I talk about that on a weekly basis. So that's a little about me. Yeah, that's awesome. And that, that, this is where really, we like really connected over this is that so often in this work, I'm, I, we get a lot of folks who come to us through the like respectful parenting community. Mm-hmm. And I dig that. I mean, the idea of respectfully parenting makes total yes. sense. And I'm here <laughs> for that, right? Like I do want to treat these humans as humans and uh, show up with respect for them. And everything that I was coming across it was really acting as though it had to be perfect parenting that you had to be able to sit through that tantrum with that kid and be able to hold space the whole time and not get upset and not be frustrated. And that's just not real life. First of all, that's not how science works. And we'll, we'll chat about like what you've mentioned sensory a few times and my village knows these terms because we talk a lot about how sensory systems affect emotional development. They are inseparable. But when we're looking at like sensory regulation here, we're really talking about mirror neurons and this idea that if in the same way that, you know, when like a baby laughs and it's just like delicious and you smile and you laugh and like you can feel that like giddiness in that same way, if your kid's having a tantrum on aisle four inside, your body's also having a tantrum on aisle four, you're mirroring uh, whatever they're firing. And this idea that it's not a child's job to get calm for you, it's your job to get calm for them. But dang, that's hard. <laughs> so incredibly hard. I was actually just talking to somebody today and they said, I loved this conversation because it was so open. It was so real. And she said, I get that I'm supposed to be calm in the meltdown. She said, but when I'm around other people who I know are judging me and I know they're thinking that they don't want their kids to hang around my kid because of this massive meltdown that everybody's witnessing, all I can think of is how I can stop this. And then I start yelling and I turn into this person that I don't want to be. So let's dive into that for a second, Alyssa. Let's talk about the reality of when you know your kid is on aisle four having an epic (laughs) meltdown that everybody can hear. What does that look like realistically? And how can we start to be more present to, and um, I I think even intentional with our reactions? Because I think sometimes we end up getting caught up in the moment because we're like, 
everything is out the window now. I don't even know what to do. I'm just going to fly off the handle and that's going to stop it. And sometimes yeah, it does. Totally. Yeah. So we consider this reacting versus responding. And what responding for us is responding with intention, which in the work in our village is all designed to help support us in building our awareness so that we can start to build regulation. We, there are four components to emotional intelligence, self-awareness, self-regulation, social awareness, and empathy. And this all starts with self-awareness that you can't regulate your response until you really build that awareness of, ooh, right now, I feel overwhelmed, I feel anxious, I feel stressed, I feel judged, I feel like they think I'm a bad parent or I can't control my kid, or they think that, or maybe I feel like my kid might continue to hurt other kids and that's scary to me. Whatever it is, like building awareness about what we are actually feeling and where that's coming from is crucial to being able to respond versus react. It comes first. We talk so much about regulation and really, I want to be talking more about awareness. It's some people consider it consciousness, like bringing um, conscious. We have our subconscious is driving so much of our behavior and being conscious of that. Uh, we consider it, we call it awareness or mindfulness. And I think first and foremost is acknowledging that I had somebody in a workshop recently who was giving an anecdote of carrying her screaming child out of the grocery store. She's like, I just feel like everyone's judging me. And then I'm supposed to like do a certain thing for everybody else. And I was like, did anybody say anything to you? Because if any, we don't swear on my podcast, but if anybody said anything to you of like, you're a bad mom, because then they're, I, I used to swear word here, uh, a very rude human. Uh, and that is all about them. Uh, if you've been to my workshops, you know that it's a, uh, it's a PG 13 style. And in so if they didn't say anything to you, then this is all a hypothetical conversation you're having with yourself. Most likely, if you imagine yourself in that situation, you're in the grocery store and you see someone trying to get out the door with a screaming, crying child because they didn't get the candy bar they wanted or the toy that they wanted on the way out, et cetera. Really, if you pause and ask yourself, what are you really thinking there? You as the bystander are likely feeling empathy. You're likely, man, I know how much that sinks. <laughs> I know how hard that is. You're not like, wow, what a bad mom for not just giving in to what that kid wanted. And I think so often when we are in that situation, when you're the one who is carrying the screaming child out, we have a hard time acknowledging that empathy. And so I think there's a couple components. I would love for more bystanders to be able to say like, hey, babe, I've been there. You've got this, right? To truly show up for each other and let the other person, even if you're not carrying their groceries out, even if you don't have like a hand to give, just the like, you're not alone and you're crushing this, you've got it. Um, I think can be really helpful. And on, on the end of like the person whose kid is having the tantrum, et cetera, I think really getting to a place where you're like, okay, I can acknowledge right now that I feel stressed and whelmed because my kid's throwing a tantrum and it would be so convenient if they would only throw these tantrums when we're in private and no one else has to see it. <laughs> um, but if we're going to normalize feelings, if we're going to say, yeah, you're allowed to have feelings, that doesn't mean just at home. Mm -hmm. I totally agree that with that. And I love this awareness that we're talking about um, because it's so, I think 
I've seen so many things lately on the internet about let's do this no yell challenge where we go a full week without ever yelling at our child. And of course, in theory, that's awesome, right? In reality is some of us have children who explode more often, whose explosions are more massive than these moms who claim to never yell at their children. That's the reality of it. And like you're talking about, we are mirroring our children so often because we're not in this pattern of being aware of where we are and, and why we're thinking things. So if we're talking about um, becoming more of the mom that we want to be, becoming more proactive and less reactive, responding rather than um, reacting, where do we build in this awareness? Because I'm guessing it doesn't happen in the moment. I'm guessing it happens in a quiet moment afterwards when we're, I don't know, alone and thinking back. What are the things that you teach about that? Yeah, well, I think it's, there are a few different ways we're building this in, but first I want to touch on something you just said that the like no yell challenge, I had to actually unfollow some people on Instagram because I was like, gosh, this is such a terrible message to be sending to people. I, by nature, would not call myself a patient person. And I think there's so much that goes into reacting versus responding. And I mean, our own biases, our childhood, how we were raised, what yes. social programming, cultural context we have. If you grew up and I had this woman who recently was like, dude, I grew up in this like loud Italian household. Everyone's yelling and nobody's mad. We're all just yelling. <laughs> and I was like, cheers. I mean, if you guys like that's, that's your culture. That's fantastic. I'm not here to change your cultural context. What I do want to look at too, though, is the privilege that can come in something like a no yell challenge, that maybe that means you have access to support so that you get a break from your kids, so that you can step away. Maybe you're, maybe instead you're a single parent who is working your freaking butt off to provide for these kids. And now you're showing up in your spare time, listening to a podcast or tuning into Instagram stories or whatever to try and build your toolbox because you're a phenomenal freaking parent and you yelled 12 times today, that doesn't mean you're not a phenomenal parent, right? So yes. I want to call out the privilege aspect of this as well, and that not everyone has access to a whole bunch of support that helps you stay regulated or that you can go to therapy and work on things, et cetera. So um, I think that that's an important part of that conversation. Um, but in terms of building awareness, how do we do this? Um, a few different things. One, in the SET method, we have five components. Only one of those components is adult-child interactions. The other four are about us. We're looking at our biases, essentially our social programming. What are, what are we bringing from our childhood? How do we feel about feelings? Uh, are there certain feelings that are harder for us to be around? Maybe when you felt scared as a kid, people really rushed to make that fear go away. Maybe they told you, oh no, there are no monsters under your bed and here we'll make the special spray and we'll make you stop feeling fear. Maybe that's a part of you. And so that now when your kid feels fear, it's really hard for you to be around. So really bringing awareness to that, like what are you bringing from your childhood into adulthood that's a part of your being and starting to bring, we can't rewrite those patterns until we're aware of them. So we start with that. Like, what are you bringing from childhood? And you'll start to notice we, we call them trends and triggers. So I'll have people track things. Like at the end of the day, if we look back, where did the wheels come off the bus? What were your trends and triggers? Are there certain times of the day that are hard? Were there certain emotions? Were there certain things that your child did that really gotcha? Like, 
when they push down their sibling where you flew off the handle, maybe that's a trigger for you. Mm -hmm. So starting to look at our patterns really. Um, and again, like sometimes it's times of the day and then we realize, Oh, maybe that kid's getting hungry. And we didn't realize that they're actually hungrier earlier than we thought. And now we're consistently seeing behaviors. Yeah. So as we're building awareness, it starts there with what we would consider reflective practice, really looking at the end of the day back, which is hard to do when at the end of the day, you're like, I just want to sit on the couch and binge watch Netflix because I'm so tired. Uh, but if you can take five to 10 minutes, if you have a partner, even better to do this with them, where you can say like, here's where the wheels came off the bus for me. Like, what did this look like for you? Do you have any thoughts, suggestions so that we can bring each other into co-parenting here? And then it's, then once we start to notice those, then you can really start to notice it in the moment. So notice, feel, noticing feelings in the moment is really hard because we fall into patterns, right? Mm -hmm. And the more you do it, the more you can start doing it with and for your kids, where I can say yes. things like, oh, I see that your face is so red and your fists are so tight and your shoulders are up to your ears. Goodness, you look so frustrated. Can't do that for a kid until we start to learn to do that for ourselves. When we say, oh, I feel that my chest is so tight and I can feel tingling throughout my body. I feel like I'm being judged because I feel like my kid's not supposed to throw a tantrum here or they're supposed to be kind and respectful and they weren't. And that feels like a failure on my part. Um, but starting to feel it throughout your body comes next. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for me, Labine, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. Hormone Harmony is an all-in-one hormonal balancing solution for women of all ages. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormone changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. Hormone Harmony is perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put your life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all these things. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at 
happymammoth.com. Just use the code VILLAGE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code VILLAGE for 15% off today. I am here for like automation, for anything that I can take off of my to-do list so that I don't have to remember it or keep track of something. I will do subscribe and save if that's an option. I love when things are just delivered to my house. I don't have to think about them. So I'm super jazzed to share our newest podcast sponsor with you, Pandia Health. You get to skip the trip to the pharmacy each month for birth control and get free delivery with bonus free goodies. You never have to run out of birth control again. You get Pandia Health peace of mind. Pandia Health makes sure that nobody runs out of birth control on their watch because it's delivered to your house. You don't have to go anywhere. You get free delivery of your birth control pills from Pandia Health, the only women-founded, women-led, doctor-founded, and led company in birth control delivery. I'm here for all of that, my friends. If you have an active prescription at a pharmacy and insurance to cover the medications, Pandia Health's delivery, automatic refills, reminder to see your PCP each year, services are free. With a capital F, y'all, I'm here for free services. If you need a doctor consultation because you wanna change pills or methods, or you don't have an active prescription, it's just $29 once a year to access Pandia Health's expert, passionate doctors for the next 364 days. You save the trip to the pharmacy each month, you save the trip to the doctor to get your birth control prescription, Pandia Health can deliver to all 50 states. They take almost all private insurance, but not Kaiser. They do take family packed. You can enter code Voices of Your Village and get $5 off the doctor consultation if needed. Pandia Health is about care, convenience, and confidentiality. Go to Pandia Health, P A N D I A H E A L T H dot com and sign up now. Pandia Health is the Greek goddess of healing, light, full moon. Pan means every, Dia means day. And y'all, the convenience of this all, please, I'm here for it. PandiaHealth.com, use called Voices of Your Village to get $5 off the doctor consultation if needed. PandiaHealth.com. One of the things that um, we're working on in my community is emotional regulation this month. And more than anything, it's this awareness that you're talking about. And one of the things I'm realizing is how I start to numb my own feelings. So like you were saying, if we've yelled at our kids 12 times today, we're feeling, I, I would naturally feel guilty about that. And I would want to numb myself to that guilt. And so I would choose to typically either eat a lot of sugar or binge watch some kind of Netflix show. Like I just want to tune out and numb myself. So the more I'm aware of this, the more I can notice that pattern and say, oh, I'm really craving sugar. I'm trying to numb this anxious feeling that I'm feeling or a nervous feeling or whatever it is. And it's interesting because as I've been allowing myself to sit with my own emotions, it is naturally coming so much easier for me to sit with my kids' emotions. And I think the reason is because what you were talking about before is that as a child, I don't feel like I was allowed the space to feel my emotions. It was, you're mad, we'll get over it. 
they didn't say that, you know, like you're mad. You shouldn't be mad. Um, kids aren't allowed to be mad, right? You can't act on your, your anger as a child or you're sad. Well, go to your room. And when you're done being sad, come out and talk to me. Like the only emotion that I remember being able to feel around one of my parents was happiness. And if you're not happy, then it needs to change. So now that I'm allowing myself to feel all of these emotions, it's interesting how I'm more open to having my kids feel them. And the cool thing is, Alyssa, it's just like you're talking about, it comes naturally. I'm not thinking, I'm not going to yell, I'm not going to yell, I'm not going to yell. I'm just, it's natural. I think so much of this, as we do the work for ourselves, it comes naturally for us. So it's not this three-step process to never yelling at our kids again and showing up as this perfect parent or putting on a good show. It comes naturally. Do you find that too in your work? Yeah. So I'd say like the work is what rewrites those patterns to come naturally. Like we come out the womb able to allow ourselves to feel and to go through most of the emotion processing. We have five phases of emotion processing in our um, adult child interactions portion. And phase one is allow yourself to feel. And so often by the time we get to adulthood, actually well before then typically, but now as adults, we aren't allowing ourselves to feel. And that's phase one. We got to go back to the basics, but these kids come out fresh out the womb, allowing themselves to feel. Most kids are very comfortable allowing themselves to feel. I think you can all attest. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And, um, and then we slowly with uh, social norms and cultural context, stifle that and let them know what they can feel when, where, et cetera. And really what we do there is say what you're allowed to express when, where, et cetera, because you feel it no matter what. And we're just saying, I'm not comfortable with you expressing that here, but you can do that in your room by yourself. I'm not comfortable with you expressing that here when I'm around because it makes me uncomfortable. I don't know what to do with it. I feel like I need to make it go away or to fix it. Um, So you just have to feel that in silence. I actually had a family... Uh, last year whose little dude was starting preschool for the first time and he was crying at drop-off and dad was doing drop-off and dad was uh, really upset with like his kid crying at drop-off he wanted him to be happy at school and so he kept like making that very clear like you're gonna be happy you don't need to cry like you're gonna have fun here etc and then a few days into drop-off dad picks him up and he's like, Hey bud, you didn't cry at drop off today. He was like, yeah, I waited till you left to cry. Oh my gosh. And he was learning. I can't cry around my dad. Cause it's too hard for him. So I'll wait, I'll wait until he's gone. And he's four, right? So we start learning what we're allowed to feel where, or who can handle our big feelings really early, really, really early. And so as you're talking about this emotional regulation and and bringing awareness to this and it becoming natural, I think it was natural for us to allow ourselves to feel. And then we added layers and layers and layers of social context that told us not to or when or where we could. And now it's unpacking those layers and bringing awareness to those layers that have been laid on top so that we can free ourselves back up, able to feel. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I think what parenting is now is digging into ourselves to uncover how we really want to show up as a person 
despite the patterns that we've that have been layered upon us. And that is what parenting is today. I think we're we're in a position. I think where so many of us are allowing ourselves to break free of typical parenting strategies, where it was just authoritarian, it, it, you know, strategies, whatever. And we're into this phase where it's like, okay, what is really working? Some people are going more passive. Some people are sticking with authoritarian. Some people are in the middle, like, I don't know what the heck to do. (laughs) But the ones who are really diving in are the ones who are diving into their emotions. And I think that's where they're finding the most change. Yeah, absolutely. Doing our own work is the key here. It's why Set Method has five components and only one is about those kiddos. <laughs> the other four are about us. Um, you can't do this work with kids if we don't do it with ourselves. Yes. And I think that you are hitting the nail on the head there um, with the fact that like now we're moving towards this space. I think the challenge here is I don't, I don't believe there's one right way to parent. I think every single one of us is going to show up in this world differently. And the way that my husband interacts with kids is different than the way that I interact with kids. And we both bring different things to the table. And I think that's fantastic. I don't think one human has to be all of it for kiddos. Totally. Um, and I don't want to get rid of cultural context here. I don't want everybody to, because what I see in the respectful parenting community is this like aggressively white culture coming in and saying, this is the way to parent kids respectfully. Mm. And I think we've got to be mindful of that here, that uh, no, you can be that big, loud Italian family and you can be yelling all the time. And if that still works for you and your emotional needs are still being met and you know, like, In that yelling, you're also allowed to say, like, I'm really frustrated with you and I want to work through this or I'm feeling really sad and I have a space to be able to express and process. That's fine if it happens at a different volume than I'm comfortable with or that I might deliver it. And so I think when we're looking at like this brand of parenting, if you will, I what I think is key is that like, I don't want to change who you are. I don't want to change how you show up in the world. I want you to ask yourself like, what feels truly best for you, not what's best for your sister or your cousin or your friend or whatever, what feels best for you. And I want to support you in showing up as that human. Mm. Let me ask you this, because there's, I think we all have an idea. If we were to ask everybody listening, what is a good mom? What does a good mom do? There would be very specific things that everybody would say, right? And I think a lot of that comes from social context. We see Instagram pictures of everybody laughing and having a good time. Or um, I saw another person who posted and she said, every every person should have a dance party at night while they're cleaning up the kitchen. And I tried it one time because I was like, Oh, maybe I'm missing something. And my kids were pissed. They're like, (laughs) we hate music on because of the small, because of the way they process auditory input. And it was so interesting. And I totally agree with this idea that there is not one right way to parent, but yet we all have this image of what a good parent should be. So how can we, because I think this comes back to emotional regulation, because when we feel like we're not being that good parent who we think that good parent should be, then we get emotional. We get upset. We yell at our kids. We take it out on our kids, whatever. We take it out on ourselves or we numb. So how can we, in your opinion, um, come to an idea of really stepping into who we are as a parent and stepping away from that idea of the being the perfect parent or even a good parent? God, I love this question so much because I truly think it's different for everybody. I I will give you a stark example here. My family have two sisters-in-law and one 
works full time, loves the crap out of her job, travels around the world for work. It fills her cup like none other. The other is a stay-at-home parent and is homeschooling her kids and has never spent 24 hours away from them and doesn't want to. And they're both so fulfilled in life. They both find joy in being with their kids, with the amount of time they're with their kids. They both, they feel full, right? And I think that this is so rad that you can figure out what fills my cup, right? So going in, we're growing a human right now and going into this, I'm like, man, I just want, I, I don't have an idea of how much I'll work, what that will look like, et cetera. What I want is the ability to make this choice and figure out for me what might feel best once we're in it. And you don't know until you're in that, I think. Yes. And so I think being able to carve out that space and give yourself the grace, like, that it's okay if you want to go back to work. It's okay if you don't. It's okay if you want to work part-time. It's okay. it, Whatever that looks like for you is okay. It's okay if you want to take time away from your kids and take a weekend away or take a night or take a vacation, whatever. I, we have friends who every year, twice a year, they, just the parents, go on vacation sans kids. And they have the kid goes and stays with grandparents for a week. They have a grandparent week, and parents go and have a little vacation with their friends. And they do this every year, and it fills their cup. And I'm like, cheers to you, man, for figuring that out. And some people would hear that and be like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine that. That wouldn't fill my cup. So I think it's truly not asking, like, what do you think you're supposed to do? But what do you actually want when you leave the end of that day? What parts of it make you feel really good? Maybe it's when you got to have a couple hours to yourself or with friends. Great. How do you build more of that into your life? Um, Figure really taking a good hard look at not what's supposed to happen, but what actually truly fills you up, I think is what makes you the best parent you can be. Um, And recognizing that there's not a certain number of hours you're supposed to spend with your kids. Um, There aren't certain times of the day you're supposed to spend with your kids. None of that is real. (laughs) The quality of the time that you spend with them is far more important. So you can spend all day with your kids and be miserable because you're not actually meeting your needs. And I'd rather see you meet your needs and spend two hours a day with your kids or four hours, six, whatever that looks like for you, but that your needs were met. So when you were with them, you were able to be present and enjoy it. Not a hundred percent of the time. No one enjoys somebody else's company a hundred percent of the time. (laughs) Everyone's a jerk sometimes or everyone's frustrated or everyone's tired or whatever. So like also bringing that in that you're going to walk away from days where you're like, woof, I couldn't wait till bedtime today. And now I feel guilty that I couldn't wait till bedtime because you're supposed to soak up every minute. And that's bull crap because a whole part of every single minute is making sure that we are holding space for hard emotions. That's not fun. That's not fun work. Nobody's enjoying that, but it's a part of raising a human. And so I think also just giving yourself grace there. Yes, yes, yes. I can't agree more with what you said. And I think giving yourself grace and giving others grace too, to be where they are. And also noticing, like you're saying, noticing the patterns, like you said before. So I remember overhearing a conversation one time where I was in um, 
my kids tumbling class and there was this mom, I think she had like four kids and they were all, she looked like the perfect parent, right? I'm doing air quotes here. She had snacks for her kids every time. They were always on time. Her kid's hair was always done. Like nothing that I can ever do <laughs> would match what she was doing. And I overheard a conversation one time. She said, I have to plan to do things every single day because I can't stand being at home all the time with my children. And so I think also just being aware of where we might be, um, I don't want to say numbing, but, but overcompensating for things that we don't want to really dive into and, and face. Maybe it would have been awesome for her to have girls nights sometimes, or, you know, to, whatever it is, like, we don't need to put on a good front to pretend that we're enjoying it, but truly dive into, okay, I don't love being with my kids 24 seven and that's okay. And that's why I'm making this choice, whatever it might be. Yeah. I love that. And you know what? Maybe she found it. Maybe by getting out of the house to go to these activities, maybe that breaks the day up enough where she's not just like, okay, and we're going to read this book for the 84th time by 9am. Like maybe that's what it is. Like maybe she figured that out and like cheers to her. I think so often you mentioned like giving each other grace. I think so often the judgment is actually an insecurity of ourselves that we'll see something in somebody else. And we're like, Ooh, am I supposed to be doing that? Or that you've worked really hard on that thing and now you see somebody else doing it. So you're like, oh, they're like, they haven't done this work <laughs> um, or whatever. And there's like, judgment. I get that from our community sometimes. It's like, well, these people aren't doing that work. I'm like, great. You also aren't holier than thou, right? Like there are things you're still working on too. And it, it also just doesn't serve you from like a time and energy place to look at others and see like where you are thriving based on where others are struggling. Like what a hard way to go through life. I would rather look at them and be like, rad, they've figured out this thing. I, I, when I'm looking at other parents, my whole goal is to look and see like, ooh, what could I pull from them? Like where is an area that they are shining that I can see like, is that something that fits for me too? Sometimes it's a hard no. Like I don't think I'm designed to homeschool. I mean, we'll see, we'll cross that bridge, but like I look at my sister-in-law and she's so happy and she loves this. She gets to spend all these, this time with her kids and it fills her cup. And I'm like, am I supposed to want that? <laughs> and then when every time a kid asks me a question and I'm just like, I don't know, it's science. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't homeschool. Um, <laughs> it's science probably isn't an answer that's going to go for very long. Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, yeah. And like, I don't think that brings me joy to just like, to not, I shouldn't say just, but for me, it feels like just be at home because it's not filling my cup for other people being at home with that human fills their cup. And I don't think I could do that full time for an extended period of time. And I want that to be okay. And not to be a slight to the people whose cup it fills that like, it's not a comparison game of like, Oh, well I'm working. And so X, Y, and Z, or O, oh, because not yeah, exactly. It's mm -hmm. such a load of bull. I think like, also, I think this is a women's problem because I've never, ever, ever once heard a dude who was like, oh my gosh, you didn't breastfeed or like, oh my God, like <laughs> never have I heard that where there was like judgment about your parenting choice or wow, you chose not to be a stay-at-home mom. Like I've never heard that judgment from dudes and maybe I'm just not hearing it and it exists, but I truly think that this is like a female insecurity issue 
And we've got to own where we're coming to the table here so that, yeah, we truly can give the other people grace because we're not comparing ourselves. Yes. So you know what I'm hearing here? And it actually comes full circle. And I love this because I'm hearing that as we have more awareness of what truly brings us joy and what really doesn't light us up, first of all, we have to be present to our own emotions to be able to decipher what those are for us in our lives. As we do that, we then get to create our own path that leads us, leads us to the most joy and happiness. When we're feeling joy, we're naturally less stressed. We're naturally going to yell less. We're naturally going to react less. The cool thing about this too is as we do that for ourselves, our kids will see that example and hopefully we can teach that example of saying, okay, what brings you joy? what doesn't light you up. So maybe it isn't a great thing for all of our kids to be involved in all of the sports and a piano lesson and um, all the school clubs and whatever, even though we think that maybe that should be a good, you know, good parenting thing. Oh my gosh, she has her kids and all the things and her kids are getting all the scholarships. You know, that must be an awesome thing. Maybe as we allow ourselves to find our joy and happiness and what isn't joy and happiness, that we can allow our kids to do the same. And that cumulatively can create a happier home. So it's not this um, five-step method to yelling less, but it's more like you were saying, it's how can we become more present to and aware of ourselves so that we can allow our kids to do the same, so that we can all feel less stressed, so that we don't have to yell. I love totally. that. Totally. And like the reality of like the no yell challenge, which is why I had to click that unfollow button. It's just <laughs> that like, yeah, do a five day no yell challenge on day six and seven when the challenge isn't happening anymore. You're going to go back to yelling if you didn't actually put in habits and routines and foundations for self-awareness and self-regulation. Um, it's like a behavior punishment reward system, really totally. just for adults. Uh, and I mean, y'all have we've dove into this punishment <laughs> reward. I have a pretty hot button episode of Elfie Cone. Um, oh, yeah. but it was a little dramatic. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just not here for that. It, that's a short-term fix to a long-term problem and it's just going to keep coming up in different ways. So yeah, no, I am self-awareness for me is absolutely the key. And so much of my work, like I run, um, we have mama's getaway coming up. I do one year or once a year for a weekend. We do this like kind of like an intensive workshop. It's like a weekend, we got conference weekend for moms and we dive into the components of the set method. And how do you actually do this work to build awareness around what you're bringing from childhood, what your trends and triggers are, who your partner's bringing, what you're bringing them to partnership and co-parenting. In the, there's one workshop on how we uh, show up with our kiddos and how we interact with them. All of the other workshops are designed around figuring out our own jazz. We have an occupational therapist who comes and does a work on uh, sensory integration, not just with kids, but how are we figuring out how we best process sensory information? And so much of this for me as uh, like a, a participant in our village is to lead folks through what this looks like to build awareness. Because if you don't have a roadmap, if you don't have a template to go off of, you're gonna wake up every day being like, okay, got it. <laughs> like, okay. Um, I was like, all right, pregnant, and I'm gonna do a hundred squats a day throughout this pregnancy. And day one, I was like, boom, got it, nailed it, hundred. 
um, day two when my butt and my legs felt like they were going to fall off because I hadn't done a squat in a year and then I was doing a hundred. Um, I was like, nope, can't do this. And so I was like, okay, I'll just build in whatever I kept slowly. It became, oh, down to, I'm just not doing any squats. So I had to realize like, oh, I need an actual plan if I'm going to create a new habit. And so often I think we see like, oh, I want to be this person or this is where I want to get to. We don't have a plan for getting there. You've got to have a plan for getting there. It's just so much of of my work in this is guiding folks through building that awareness so they can start to show up in the ways that they want because you could have the perfect script to respond to those tiny humans. And if in the moment, if you don't have self-awareness and self-reg, it doesn't matter. Yes, yes, yes. Can I just say amen to everything you just said? <laughs> totally. I wanna circle back to sensory. That's one thing that you and I definitely have in common is um, this passion for helping everybody understand that sensory is such a huge part of emotional regulation. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. So let's bring that into this conversation for um, a little bit. My audience um, knows that I say that we have children who are the exception to most parenting rules, which isn't a bad thing. It's just that there's not always a label for it. And a lot of times it's because of that sensory aspect. They're dealing, they're having a hard time regulating their sensory system or they don't understand it or whatever. So let's dig into that and talk about sensory and emotional regulation. Yeah, this is like my favorite topic to get nerdy on. Um, (laughs) So there are eight sensory systems. So I think that this is one part that, is often missed here. We're talking about sensory regulation. There are eight different sensory systems. And I have a full two-hour workshop in our membership on sensory. So I'm going to try and kind of condense this a, a bit. Um, but essentially, we are all taking in information all the time 
from what I hear outside. I live in a busy road and I can hear cars going by right now, right? Every time that I'm breathing, I'm breathing in smells. I might taste something. I'm feeling a little bit chilly. So I put on this cozy sweatshirt to help my body feel more comfortable during this interview. It could also be things like the word hangry exist because when we get hungry, you literally cannot regulate your emotions. You can't access your full brain in the same way because your body's dysregulated. You're hungry. This could happen around tired or when you have to go pee or if you're too hot or you're too cold. We also have vestibular systems, which helps your, it's like your inner ear. This is where when you're spinning with a kid or we're getting them on the swings, you're doing hammock, we're helping their body learn kind of where it is in space and how it shows up. And then proprioceptive and proprioceptive is uh, our muscles and joints really communicating. This is where if I have a kiddo who is a delayed ingress motor or they were butt scooter or an army crawler, uh, I want to know why I want to take a deeper look at their proprioceptive sensory system to learn why those muscle groups aren't communicating with each other. Not because I give a flying care how they crawl or when they crawl or whatever. <laughs> I just want to know like what's happening inside and how can I best support your sensory systems and sensory integration. Um, for every single human in the world processes sensory input differently. Yeah. And so for all of us, I actually wish that this was talked about way more because I think it's a key to everything we do in life but learning how we best process information and then how we can regulate our systems is absolutely key to how we show up in the world. My husband benefits from vestibular input. So as a baby, he would only sleep if he was bouncing on a ball, being rocked. They would put him in his car seat on top of the dryer and turn on the dryer so it would vibrate, right? Like he was like, a clear candidate for the snoo had that exist existed at the time and I'm the opposite we're like I don't love vestibular input it can be dysregulating for me to have too much I'm not a human who wants to go swing or um, do anything that involves me like twisting or turning or going upside down and for him he would like sit in a rocking chair all night and that's helpful regulation for him so just figuring out how we process information is so freaking key. This is why Lori, our OT, um, or the OT that I work with most frequently is coming out. She's flying, she lives in Boston. She's flying out to San Diego for Mama's Getaway. Cause I was like, babe, I can't do this workshop without you. <laughs> like I, we, we've got to talk about sensory systems and we're going to talk about emotions. Um, so I think for, for us, the key is really starting to dive deeper into what does this look like? Some people will say like, I'm a visual learner, an auditory learner. Uh, I'd assume that most of the people turning into this podcast really benefit from auditory processing. Like they can take in information through their ears and they can process it and retain it. Other people are like, I need a book or I need to watch a video or I need to read the blog post um, because that's how they're going to best process that. I think beyond that, we don't often talk about the other sensory systems and what that looks like. Absolutely. And I love having it in this conversation in correlation with emotional regulation, because just like we were talking about, we need to figure out what lights us up and what doesn't necessarily light us up internally, emotionally. We also need to do that with our sensory systems. Every single one of us, you know, like you, Alyssa, you, he said that, um, I can't even remember 
homeschooling wouldn't let you up emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I'm kind of on the fence on that. Part of me wants to, but part of me really just wants to pay somebody else to homeschool my kids. <laughs> so I get the benefits of homeschooling without having to do it. Um, and we can be different in that, just like we can be different. I actually match your vestibular preferences very much, but maybe your auditory preferences are different. You can ha- handle more noise than I can or whatever it is. And it doesn't make one good or bad or wrong or anything. It just makes us different. And once we understand what makes us tick and what triggers us emotionally and sensorily, that's not really mm-hmm. a word, but I'll take it. I accept. <laughs> okay. Then we can start to understand why we're being triggered by these different things and how we can avoid those triggers or minimize those triggers if they can't completely be avoided. Yeah, so. totally, totally. And I, there just needs to be more education on this of, for people to, in fact, the, the workshop that Lori's doing at Mama's Getaway, we were just chatting about it. She was like, what do you want me to, like, do you want me to focus on sensory processing? What do you want? And I was like, no, I want you to talk about sensory integration so that people can start to learn how they best process information yes. and where the challenges are for them and then start to identify those things in their kids, their partners, et cetera. Like we had a mom reach out the other day who has a newborn and she was like, I feel so guilty because I know I'm supposed to like love these naps with him on my body. And I just, I I'm so touched out. I don't want to be touched anymore. Like there's a human living on top of me and she could like, just need that break. And, um, for me personally, when I feel stressed or I feel whelmed, I want a human on my body. It's regulating for me. So even as like a preschool teacher, I would on my lunch break and would have kids all preschool kids don't stop touching you. And then on my lunch break would go over to the infant room and snuggle babies. And they're so regulating for me. And this for this mom, it's dysregulating to have a kid. My husband, it would be very dysregulating if somebody was on him all day long. I chuckle because I'm like, I just imagined that, and <laughs> he would need a break. He would need space. But we've created this uh, narrative that you're supposed to want to snuggle your baby all the time, and that just hold them for those naps because this time goes so fast. And she was like, I don't want to hold them for these naps. I want the time to go so fast right now because I feel exhausted and touched out and dysregulated. And so our job in supporting her was showing up and figuring out how to help get her some naps and some sleep off of her body so that she really can show up in this newborn phase and enjoy it more and be present to it because she's not touched out um, or not as dysregulated. And so for all of us, though, what I want is to be able to figure out, first of all, what regulation means, because a lot of people don't get that, and then dive deeper into what does that look like for me? What does that look like for my partner? What does that look like for my kids individually? Um, and then how do I kind of like love languages that it's my love language is words of affirmation and physical touch. And so if Zach gave me gifts, like cool, that's not how I receive love. Like I'm not gonna be mad about getting a gift, Zach, if you're tuning in. Um, but <laughs> uh, he actually edits all of my podcasts, so noted. Um, but he, but if he were to be giving me gifts in the hope of like showing his love, it's not how I receive love. It's his job to give me love in the way that I receive it. It's my job to support this child in the way that they best regulate. And so if they're going to be regulated by doing dips, great. It's my job to figure that out and support them with that. 
And I would take that one step further and, and say, even emotionally, it's our job to support them as they best receive it emotionally mm -hmm. as well. And so going back to this conversation I had with um, a client of mine just recently, she said, it's hard because she was saying her daughter um, has some anxious tendencies. So anything new tends to trigger anxious feelings. And she said, I almost don't even want to tell her when something new is coming mm -hmm. so that I don't have to deal with those anxious feelings. And I totally get that. I totally mm -hmm. get that. And the reason those anxious feelings keep coming up is because we haven't figured out a way to help her deal with them. And that is the key. It's our job to help them understand the ways in which they can process these emotions or these sensory triggers or all these things around them instead of doing, you know, what may or may not have been done in the past of ignore that or go deal with that on your own and come out when you're happy or come out when you're better, or whatever it is. We're we're able to sit in this space where, where we can sit with, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe not all the time, um, our own emotions and our kids' emotions and find ways to work through those. So. Yeah. And what you touched on there when you were linking that is, I call it the triangle of growth. Um, so interoceptive is one of your sensory systems. Mm -hmm. It's probably the least talked about sensory system. And this is the one that's most closely related to our emotional development. And so in the triangle, at the base of the triangle, I have sensory systems, sensory regulation. And then in the middle of the triangle, I have emotional development. At the top, I have language development. And when I'm looking at kiddos' development under five, especially under three, uh, those are the only three things I'm looking at. I don't care mm -hmm. if you know your colors or your numbers or whatever. What I want to know is, are you regulated from a sensory perspective because if not, we can't work on emotional regulation and we can't work on language. And so first I'm starting with sensory because when you feel, say you feel fear, we'll use this example of the anxiety here. Anxiety is really just getting stuck in fear. And so the emotion of fear, you might feel your chest get tight. You might feel that rush of cortisol through your body. It's usually like a tingling. Um, you might even see like your fists tighten or your shoulders go up. Um, you're going to notice that fear throughout your body physically. You can physically identify like, what am I feeling? That's your sensory system. And this is in, in the interceptive one that we were talking about. And so that cortisol rushing through your body, our job in emotion coaching is to support the um, brain to leave the amygdala and come to the prefrontal cortex. And the amygdala is our feelings brain. And the amygdala has sent uh, neurons to the prefrontal cortex, your rational thinking brain, to shut it down and to send cortisol throughout your body. So when we're emotion coaching, really what we're doing is regulating your sensory systems first. We're working to help you find your calm and regulate before we're diving into how to solve this problem from an emotional perspective. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have five phases of emotion processing. I have an episode on that that I can share with y'all later if you want to dive in deeper to how to emotion coach for emotion processing. Um, this is a huge difference between our work and other emotion coaching work. My emotion coaching work isn't just to make you feel calm or to regulate you. It's to help you process emotions. Yes. Um, otherwise, we just see another tantrum or another feeling come back up soon because you've pushed that one below the surface to temporarily stop feeling it. 
so yeah, I, I'm happy to share that episode with you. Awesome. I don't ever remember the numbers of my episodes. So I have to look it up. I don't either. So no worries. <laughs> we were just talking about that before. Yeah. So I love this. And I feel like we've talked about everything that we planned to talk about. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to this that you felt like we left out? Nothing other than like, dang, give yourself grace. Like there's so much comparison especially when we are on social media or even now in like the way that most villages operate, you might be seeing someone for a very curated play date or something along those lines versus just being in and out of each other's houses constantly and seeing the like S storm that happens when you're seeing people, when it's not so curated and perfected and when they haven't like snapped this photo of this quote unquote, perfect moment, but you didn't see all the other moments that went into that. So I've I've worked with now, I mean, thousands of families. I've never encountered a family that has all of it together and that it's perfect. And so recognizing that yours won't ever be either. My goal isn't for mine to be either. Uh, It's to have a toolbox to navigate the hard stuff, not to not feel the hard stuff. Mm, I love that so much. And I think I will just second everything you said. And the work is going through those tough emotions, like you said, not avoiding them and being brave enough to feel those emotions and dive deeper into those and to understand why, whether it's our emotions or our kids' emotions, that's brave work and that's tough work. Um, But the more we do that, I think the more natural everything else will come. So we don't have to go for the, I don't know if you've ever seen the post that went viral about never yelling at your kids again with like five rubber bands on your wrist to remind you to do certain things or to snap yourself or something like that. We don't have to do all those things if we do this really deep internal work. I mean, those are cute and those are fun. And if it works for you, great. But it's a temporary fix. Definitely. To a long-term problem. So it'll work for you now, just like a behavior chart might. It'll work for you now. Or maybe it even won't, but it could work for you now. Uh, will you share with my village where they can connect with you, Wendy? Absolutely. So I am at Wendy Bertnall on Instagram. And my last name is, it looks like Bertagnoli. That's what it looks like. And I also have Exceptional Parenting Podcast. And you can find that on exceptionalparentingpodcast.com. It's on all major forms of podcasts. And what about you, Alyssa? Tell people where they can find you. We are over on Instagram at seed.and.so, and it's S-E-W. Uh, we also have a really active Facebook group that's totally free to the public where our village can come in and, and support each other through this jazz. And that is, it's facebook.com slash group slash seed and so. Uh, pretty straightforward. And then our mothership is seedandso.org where you can find anything that you would need it would would be from there. Yeah, with the podcast you can access on there, Voices of Your Village podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. Yeah. So good. Thank you so much for doing this. And I hope all of my listeners who are listening to this, I hope you give Alyssa a follow. Her stuff is fantastic. And I don't say that lightly. Um, You guys can tell she's so real and she's research-based as well as being based in what actually works on a day-to-day basis. And I think that's what we need more of in this world. So take that into consideration for sure. Thanks so much. And likewise, I recently connected with you through this and have really enjoyed following you. I again, love that sensory connection you consistently bring in. So thank you. 
Thank you. This is fun. Holy cow. That was so much fun. That episode is just full of, I feel like so much goodness and conversation that we need to be having on this journey. Y'all, it is not about perfection. Let's scream it from the rooftops and louder for the folks in the back. Now, if you want to dive in deeper to a couple things, head on over to Wendy's podcast, Exceptional Parenting Podcast, and you could check out episode number 22, When Parenting is More of a Struggle Than a Joy, or episode 34, Two Personal Stories I'm Scared to Share With You. Y'all, I'm here for vulnerability. Or check out episode 36, Managing Big Feelings in the Best Way Possible. Wendy said these could be helpful topics for you diving deeper into the content we covered today. If you want to dive deeper in on some of our podcasts for Voices of Your Village, tune in to Wendy's episode. At the end, she's going to give you some Voices of Your Village episodes that would be helpful for diving in on some other content. All right, babes, as per usual, we are in this together. You are not alone, and we will keep striving for progress and intention over perfection. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.